T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one... They're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Attention, adoring fans. Back to more John Chuckery. Hey, folks, how you doing? Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. Sports Radio 92.9, the game back with you, John Chuckery Show, live in the Kia Studios on this Thursday evening. Hey, uh, check out Odyssey's Big Time Baseball podcast with Cody Decker, Tony Gwynn Jr., and Major League Baseball insider John Heyman. They cover everything from the Braves to all things around the world of Major League Baseball. New episodes drop every Monday on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast from. 404-741-0929. That's the Solomon Brothers Diamond text line to be a part of the show. Don't forget, we got Rankham coming up at 1040. Uh, Odyssey app, so you catch us when you're on the go. Social media is at 19 on the game on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And follow us on our personal Twitter pages. I'm at JMCH316. He's at underscore Dylan Matthews. Yeah, somebody, by the way, brought up uh, on my What's Bug and Chuckery another thing. The post office. The post office just raised rates again. The post office is a complete crap hola. That's another propped up government organization. And again, it's not 1938 anymore. That's what. That's why UPS and FedEx are as big as what they are, and Amazon and everything else, right? But anyway, uh, it's ridiculous. So, what's also ridiculous is where Atlanta United is at right now. Now, look, I'm going to preface this. Okay, I understand the injuries of Atlanta United. I get it. I understand it. I don't have to have it explained to me. I understand, but. Or in the words of the former governor, however, they still have their attack. Almada, Joseph, Arujo, they still have their attacking guys. Their defense, backline, goaltending, whatever, they've got all kinds of injuries. And it's been a rough year. But here's the thing, right? Where's Alec Baldwin to call, you know, coffee is only for closers? No more coffee from Atlanta United. Mike Bell and I were talking about this a couple of Saturdays ago when we were out there at Atlanta United for the Seattle Sounders match. And and Mike brought up a good point. I want my old Atlanta United back. This team is not fun to watch. And that game, there was nothing fun about that thing last night. Yeah, they got the goal late or whatever like that. That's great. Joseph got his 100th MLS goal. That's awesome, right? But they were out of that game early on, and that was it. They were down 2 nothing in the blink of an eye, it seemed like. And that was it. Got down really early, and then 2 nothing. It's like, well, this team ain't going to come back from 2 nothing. People aren't scared to come here to Mercedes-Benz and play United anymore. There isn't this fear of coming to Mercedes-Benz. Oh, you can't win there. 
Teams win all the time. And in a league right now where road teams are struggling mightily to get wins, teams can come here and find a way to win a match against Atlanta United. A few stats and numbers to, to talk about this. There are only four teams in all of MLS that have fewer points than Atlanta United. Fewer points. That's based upon your wins and your ties, right? Only four teams in all of MLS have less points than Atlanta United. The thing about Atlanta United is that they create chances and opportunity, right? They are second in shot attempts. They've taken the second most shot attempts in all of MLS. They have the third most on-target shot attempts in MLS. But they're tied for 16th in goals. They're tied for 12th in shot percentage. And only three teams in MLS have attempted fewer penalty kicks than Atlanta United. They have the, they have the fourth fewest penalty kick attempts in MLS. Right now for the year, they are averaging 1.36 goals per match, right? That is the that's one of the worst in the few years they've been around. Now, in 2020, they only averaged 1 goal per match. But to be fair, remember with COVID and every other crazy kind of thing, we throw that year out. Right? The COVID year was a lost year for everybody. But last year, as bad as we thought the offense was, they averaged 1.32 goals per match last year. This year, they're only averaging 1.36 goals per match. So it's not like by adding all of these high-priced, high-caliber offensive players that they've been able to figure out their offense. And you can't blame all of that and the attack and their frontline guys on injury because those guys are playing. Unless they have a, you know, less like Almada with a red card, they're in the lineup. And it's been another very underwhelming season for Joseph Martinez and injuries and everything else and this, that, and the other, right? This has been another very underwhelming season. And they have a lot of big decisions to make in the offseason. You have to find Darren Eel's replacement. And I will, and I'm going to go ahead and, and say it out loud. If Carlos Bocanegra doesn't take over for Darren Eels, which is very entirely possible, what's his future with the club? What's going to be his future? He's not going to be necessarily locked in stone. It's like anything in sports. When a new guy comes in, a new general manager, a new owner, a new coach, whatever, right? They want their guys in. And I'm not saying that the next person who runs this club won't want Carlos Bocanegra, but there will certainly be questions about whether or not he will stay. And I was, what are those things that they call, Dylan, when you're on your, when you're on your mobile device on Twitter, they have those group chat things. Oh, spaces. Okay. So, so we got, you know, um, we got the, uh, the 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 space cadet thing going, 
right? Jeez. We got the uh, what? Didn't Ariana Grande sing that positions or whatever like that? She did, right? Okay, so we got the positions or whatever that we got going on, Goodness. right? So we got that going on. So I was listening in after the Darren Eels announcement to Felipe Cardenas and some other people, and I thought they made some great points. The idea of they haven't found the Nagbys and the Michael Parkers and those kinds of other role players. You know, forget replacing Miguel Amarone, but they do have high-priced, high-caliber guys that should be able to put the ball in the back of the net, and they're creating chances, second-most shots, third-most on-target attempts. But their 1.36 goals per game average is barely above what it was last year and certainly not one of the better marks in MLS. And they're only 16th in goals with the fifth fewest points in all of MLS and and at the bottom of even penalty kicks. They're not even creating easy chances. It is frustrating. To quote Mike Bell from a couple weeks ago, I want my old Atlanta United back. And again, I understand the injuries have, have hurt and bogged them down. But the attack part of it, the putting the ball in the back of the net, the finishing things off, statistically, they're getting there. But like Alec Baldwin said, put that coffee down. Coffee is for closers. Well, no more coffee for Atlanta United. And the, the track that they're on, are they out of the playoff picture? No. They, they mathematically can still get back in this thing. But what about Atlanta United tells you that they're about to go on a three or four match winning streak? What, what tells you that they're about to score two or three goals a game over the next two or three matches, right? They've got a match coming up this weekend against Columbus. They're in Columbus, another team where you're on the road in MLS, which if you look statistically this year, road teams have not had a very good time of things on the road. Nobody, nobody has had good luck on the road this year. And Columbus right now is one of the best teams in the East. They're sitting right now with 34 points, which puts them one, two, three, four. They're fifth in the East in points, tied for fifth with New England for the most points in the East. So that's not going to be easy to go on the road and beat them. They have eight wins on the season. So it, it's, you know, and then... They've got D.C. United the following week. All right, well, they're the worst team in the East. They're at least below Atlanta United. Now you're becoming into must-win situation because you ain't got 1,000 matches left. 25 matches in for Atlanta United. The idea of, well, we got a long way to go. I know we always love to say that in sports. Oh, we got a long way to go. You don't have a long way to go. And this has been a very underwhelming year. And again, you know, they're going to get a lot of break because of the injuries and things like that that have happened to this team. And I understand that. And I'm not trying to discount what the injuries have meant to certain things. But their attacking guys are there. You know, if you can't always defend and you can't get guys off ball and you can't goaltend, and th- then score. Take the guys you have and score. And I understand that that's, it's easier said than done, right? But – What's the old saying that the Marines have? Improvise, adapt, and overcome. You want to tell me that you're going to be a playoff team and that the season's not over and stuff? Great. Tell me where we start picking up points. Tell me who we start beating. 
Because this idea of, you know, maybe a draw, maybe not, that ain't going to cut it. And, I, and again, I'll, I'll say this, and I'll, I'll take the heat for this. I don't want to hear about where this international juggernaut and all this kind of stuff, you know, CONCACAF and U.S. Open and all that. Win your league. Go be good in your own league. I've always said this. Tell me we're going to be great in MLS. Then we can branch out into everything else, right? We can go, we can go branch off into, you know, Calcutta's and CONCACAFs and all this other stuff. We can get all these trophies and stuff from all these other places. Tell me we're going to be good in our league first. Because right now we ain't good in our league. Right now we're not good in our league. And last night was just another, oh, well, down 2 nothing. Yeah, we got a goal late. No chance we're going to pick up three goals at home anymore. Seemed like when we used to play at home, it'd be like, you know, automatically we're going to get three goals. Those days feel like they're long gone. This has been a very frustrating season, more than just the injuries. The guys that they do have, we're not getting enough production out of all of it. All right, when we come back, that's life. Um, I will give the Phillies credit. They came up very petty against the New York Mets. I'll explain next, plus our top 10. Chuck Green, the Kia Studios. Sports right now to the game, honestly.com app. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. Who is this person? It's John Chuckery. Are you sure? Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. Back with you on the John Chuckery Show. 921 live from the Kia Studios. You know what time it is. That's life. That's life. That's what all the people say. 404-741-0929. That's the Solomon Brothers Diamond text line to be a part of the show. Don't forget, Rankham is coming up at 1040 this evening, so hit us up with your list. At 929 The Game on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. At JMSH316, at underscore Dylan Matthews. 
All right, Dylan, help me remember because I can't remember if it's you or one of the other 45 producers that does this show. <laughs> Do you remember a couple weeks ago when I went on a rant about the fact that Heath Hernandez was not going to call uh, Phillies games for the, you know, he's a New York Mets broadcaster. Yep. He was not going to call Philadelphia Phillies games because he didn't like the way they played. Yep. He didn't like the way they fundamentally played baseball. Believe it or not, I was with you that night. Okay. So this is great. So NBC Sports in Philadelphia has now been putting a sticker graphic, if you will, a graphic down in the corner of their screen. Okay? And it's called... And they anytime that the Phillies make a good defensive play or anything like this, they put this graphic up. It's a picture of Keith Hernandez, and it says, Keith Hernandez, fundamental play approved. And, <laughs> and, and, and if you go on, by the way, I found this um, Tim Kelly, Tim Kelly Sports. Um, he's a writer for Phillies Nation. He, uh, he's got a picture of it. It's awesome. This is awesome. This is pure Hugh Douglas-level pettiness right here, and I love it. So now every time the Phillies make a good play, NBC Sports Philadelphia puts up this graphic of Keith Hernandez approved on the screen. I found it. That is great. Is that not great or what? Amazing. That is tremendous. Good for the Phillies for coming right back at him with that. I agree. I agree. Stick it right to Keith Hernandez, that sanctimonious jack-off a-hole. How about that? Agreed. Oh, I love it. So, good for Philadelphia for being ultra petty about uh, all of this. I, I love it. All right. Um, I know you've been here for at least one of these conversations, Dylan. You know, we've been talking about this 52 tops Mickey Mantle that's yep. still on auction. Yep. It's now sitting at $7.8 million, which already is going to make it the highest valued transaction of a sports card in auction history. And they still expect it because they still have until the 27th of the month to continue the auction. They still expect it to go over $10 million. But it's at $7.8 million right now. Alan Rosen, the guy who originally owned this card, they picked up the card for $50,000 originally. Mm. It was a $50,000 transaction. Now it's sitting at auction, graded out in mint condition, one of only three that's supposedly in existence for $7.8 million and probably going to hit ten. Oh, man. Man. Can you imagine spending $10 million? On a baseball card. On a baseball card. Yeah. One baseball card. Yep. Wow. Like what? I, all I want to know is, what did you do in life to get to that point? It, to where you can spend ten uh-huh. million dollars yeah. on a baseball card. Yeah. You can just throw away ten million dollars yeah. to have something you can look at. And you've got ten million just laying because yeah. again, this isn't like make installment payments. It's not no. like a payday loan. No. This is you got to come up with the scratchol mm-hmm. like here now, or some guy named Vito and Rocco pays a visit to you. <laughs> yeah, you know. So you basically got to have ten million dollars hey, you Rocco. can wipe your butt with. Hey Moose, Rocco, help the judge find his wallet. <laughs> I know you don't know what that came from. No, I don't. <sighs> Did it come from um, a boo boo? <laughs> can you give me another picnic basket? 
it kind of sounded like the voice that you did. No, that was, that, was, that was Rodney Dangerfield at the end of Caddyshack when Judge Smales didn't want to pay his bet. You know, I'm not giving oh, you anything. Okay. I figured as much. Hey, Moose, Rocco, help the judge find his wallet. Oh, it it sounded good. like it sounded like hey boo boo. It yeah. sounded like Yogi Bear. Yeah, it sounded like Yogi Bear. Same voice. Oh man, man, this week's almost over. Hour and a half, man. Hour and a half, and the week's over. Hey boo boo. Oh, <laughs> I'm even surprised you knew who Yogi Bear is. I love well, actually, Yogi Bear. Actually, I don't even. Well, maybe you didn't know who Yogi Bear was because you just said the the line and didn't really know who who it was. No, I watched Boomerang all. Well, okay. I used to watch Boomerang all the time. Okay. Um, the movie. No, Boomerang, the the network that ha- that plays all the old cartoons, Pink Panther, Yogi Bear, all the uh, Looney uh, Looney Tunes, all that old stuff. Speaking of Looney Tunes, Dylan, um, today is uh, Roberto Clemente's birthday. Certainly one of the great players in the history of Major League Baseball. Obviously one of the great defensive outfielders of all time. His arm is considered legendary. He died in, what, 73 in a plane crash in the offseason, exactly at 3,000 hits. By the way, Braves take the lead. Again, the bottom of the order, Grissom and Harris and those guys getting stuff done, right? Michael Harris knocked them in. You know, Michael Harris has like 40 RBI. You know, Michael Harris only has like six RBI less than Marcelo Zuna does this year. And he's played how many less games? Like like he's played – he literally only has about 60% of the plate appearances that Marcelo Zuna does. Grissom flying around the bases, getting it done. But we, anyway. We got DeGrom out of there, so that's uh, good. Yeah, DeGrom, uh, and they're in the seventh inning, right? This is the uh, – Yep. Because uh, DeGrom pitched six and two-thirds. Um, Seth Lugo coming in now. Freed, by the way, has seven full innings in the books and might come out for one more. But Iglesias is warming up in the bullpen. But today is Roberto Clemente's birthday. One of the great players of all time. I did not get a chance to see him play, but I would love to see him throw guys out that arm – is considered the best maybe of all time out there. So with that, tonight's top 10 list. Top 10 athletes you wish you could have seen in their prime. Dylan, the floor is yours. Let's see how many on Dylan's list that I have seen in their prime. Oh, there's going to be a few. So uh, for one, Deion Sanders. I didn't I didn't get to watch a lick of Deion Sanders um, because by the time he was through playing, I wasn't even probably thinking about Hell, football I yet. Saw, I saw Deion in college at Florida State. Yep, I didn't see him in college. I didn't see him with the Falcons. I didn't see him with the Cowboys. None of that. So okay. Deion Sanders, I would have loved to see him prime time in his prime. Another one, Dominique Wilkins, because I, I never got to see the human highlight, man. I never got to see just why exactly, or I, I know why. But I never got to see, watch it from my own eyes, why he got that statue built for him outside of State Farm Arena. So, so you never, I guess, yeah, because you wouldn't have seen the dunk contest and all that stuff with Michael. Nope. nope. God, I remember seen those highlights, but yeah, I, I remember real watching real. all that live. Must have been, uh, must have been nice. Anywho, <laughs> um, Ken Griffey Jr. That's another one. I would have loved to see the moment live where he got to play with his dad. Like that's why I hope I, yes. you know, that's why I hope. Uh, LeBron and Bronny get to play together just so to see something like that just would be really right. cool. So I wish I would have been able to see Ken Griffey Jr., Ken Griffey Sr. play together. Um, here's another one that is kind of sneaky, but I just really would have liked to seen this guy play like in person. I got to see him play, just not his prime. Jason Williams. 
the basketball player. White oh, chocolate. Okay, white chocolate. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I wish I would have got to see white chocolate play because you see all these highlights on Twitter of when he was in his prime, like all the ridiculous passes and stuff he would make, just his ball handling and stuff like that. So Jason Williams is a dude I you really know, wish I could have seen live. I'm trying to think about because I'm looking it up right right now. I'm trying to think about how long he played in the NBA. Okay, he, he had played a for a minute. Yeah, he had he had a decade in the NBA. Because I saw him when he was with the Miami Heat. That's the that's when I saw Jason. Yeah, Williams he had on uh, his last. He leg. had 13 seasons in the NBA, and uh, one of those years he retired in. Yeah. So he only played 12 years. He retired in 08, 09, and then came back played for Orlando and Memphis. Oh yeah. After Miami. Yep. 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 So, Jason Williams, another guy that I would have liked to have seen in his prime. Another one that I got to see play, I, I even got to see him play in person, but I didn't get to see him in his prime, John Smoltz. I really, really? wish I could have saw Smoltz play in his prime. Wow. Just, I guess, just because yeah, I know how dominant he was. I saw him in person. I'll never forget. I got to see him play against Tom Glavin in person when Glavin was with the Mets. Him and Glavin were going against each other one Sunday. I don't remember the exact date, but I got to see them go against each other. So that was cool. I got to see them go against each other. But, again, Glavin was with the Mets. Smoltz was later on in his career. I think this might have been – I think this was 08, 09, something like that, when I saw – that year that I saw him. So, you know, it, he, he's on the back end of his career. He was way in the back nine. So, so far, all five of your players, I watched every bit of their – whole career there's a, probably only going to be one guy that both of us didn't see on my okay. list um so next moving on to that well maybe two because i don't think you saw this dude actually yeah i know you didn't see this dude. hank aaron oh yeah yeah he's on my list as well yeah yeah hank aaron i mean i just i mean maybe just, the best baseball player of all time exactly i mean mm-hmm. could you imagine being in the building when he broke the home run record could, could you imagine watching an all-star game in 1966 with Aaron in left, Mays in center, Clemente in right. That's, Imagine like in I the mean, mid-60s. wild. Imagine in the mid-60s watching the All-Star game from wherever. You know, it's from, hell, I'm trying to even think where. It's from uh, Yankee Stadium or something. Uh-huh. And you got Aaron, Mays, and Clemente in the outfield for the National League. How stupid would that man, be? Man, that would have been stupid. Talk about a treat for the fans. That's a treat, man. So Hank Aaron, definitely on my list. Um, another one on my list, Larry Bird. It would have been cool to see Larry Legend in his prime. God, I remember I remember that championship game against Magic and when he was in college at Indiana State. I mean, just to watch that, I mean, that would have been that would have been wild. So he's on my list. Um, another one that I'm He's probably he might not be on your list, but I don't think you got to see him. I know you didn't get to see him play. Wilt Chamberlain. Yeah, he's I mean, on just my, okay. He's yeah. on my list as well because the crazy gaudy numbers he yeah. put up. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and look, in an era where there weren't a ton of centers, and look, yeah. even you know, here's the thing that gets lost. Even if you look at his numbers against Bill Russell, you know, he averaged like 30 points and 15 rebounds against Bill Russell. Right. It's not like Bill Russell shut him down. He still had monster numbers against – he had monster numbers against everybody, mm-hmm. and he was such a different player than everybody else in the NBA. Yeah. You know, one year he led the league in assists, and, I mean, it's crazy the things that he did. Yeah. I agree with you. So, yeah, I mean, and then two to, like, the 100-point game, obviously. Oh, yeah. But just – I mean, he put up gaudy, like, just crazy numbers every single night, like you were saying. So, to be able to see him play in his prime, that would have been something very, very special. Another guy, uh, two – my last two guys. Magic Johnson and Michael Jordan. I mean, 
two two of the best to ever do it in the game of basketball. Just to see them play, I mean, it's just funny been great. because again, I watched. I, I remember Michael hitting. I watched on Monday night when Michael hit the shot against Georgetown peak, to win the national championship uh, in '82. And peak Michael Jordan in the NBA '96. I was sucking. My, I wasn't even. Yeah. I wasn't even old enough to suck my thumb yet. I, I don't. I, I mean, again, I was a few months old. I, I I I was watching Michael when he was in college as a freshman. In college, forget the pros. I yeah. saw every bit of him. Yeah. <laughs> in the pros. Magic, same way. I remember when Magic and Bird played for the national t- championship in 79. Yeah. Michigan State against Indiana State. I mean, I wish I could have watched live Magic Johnson as a rookie playing center to help the Lakers win a title. Yes. Yep. Um, all right. Let's see how many of these people you actually know. Um, I've got Wilt on my list as well. I'm mm-hmm. with you on, on Wilt Chamberlain. Um, Jesse Owens. Yeah. Track star. Yep. He's a I, runner. He's a track star. I would have, I would have loved to have seen Jesse Owens, especially in that whatever it was, the '36 Olympics. Yeah, when he, when they were in Munich and he ran it right down Hitler's throat. Yes. Um, Oscar Robertson. Yep, I know the big O. Yep, I uh, would have loved to have seen him in the, in the, especially in the NBA. Um, Dick Butkus. Yeah, I know. I would, I would Dick like Butkus, to, yeah. I would like to know if the legend, if because Dick Butkus has become like the gold standard for all middle linebackers. I watched Jack Lambert for a lot of his career, and Lambert was a great player. I watched uh-huh. Mike Singletary. He was a great player. I can't imagine anybody being better than Ray Lewis ever at middle linebacker, but yeah. people swear by Dick Buckus. I would like to see him. Uh, I mean, he, he must have did something right. He's got an award named after him, right? Yeah, he does. <laughs> I mean, you know, yep, absolutely. Um, Ted Williams, a lot of baseball players. Ted Williams yep. is on my list. Uh, as I said, Hank Aaron's on my list. Willie Mays is on my list uh, oh, as well. Oh, good call, yeah. Um, Jolton Joe DiMaggio, I know who was Joe. an American icon um, in the world, not just a baseball player, but, again, became an American icon. I would have loved to have seen him in his prime. And then going way back, Lou Gehrig. Oh, uh, yeah. I've always been fascinated by, by those guys like in the 30s. Would have loved to have seen Lou Gehrig. And my final player is my dad's one of my dad's favorite athletes of all time, Jim Brown. Yeah, I would have loved to have seen call. Jim Brown who a lot of people will tell you is the best football player of all time. Not not just talking running back, but the best football player that ever suited up. That he was one of the most dominant players of his generation ever, maybe of all time. So, all right, hit us up with your guys as well. When we get back, we're going to hear from the Braves general manager. Good conversation with Steak and Sandra earlier today. We'll get to that next. Alex Anthopoulos, Sports Right Now to the Game, Odyssey.com app. John Chuckery. This party's going to rock. Make sense! Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. Back at the John Chuckery Show, live in the Key Studios. 404-741-0929. Solomon Brothers Diamond text line to be a part of the show. Odyssey app site catch on the go. Social media is at 9th on the game. At JMCH316 on Twitter. Braves uh, hanging in there, man. Three to two right now with the lead, top of the eighth. And um, they brought Minter in. Um, Max Fried was outstanding. We'll talk about that. Minter got a couple of outs. Now they bring Iglesias in to get this final out. Then they'll probably go to Jansen here in the ninth and 
try to wrap this thing up in a must-win game for the Braves. So macho performance tonight from their pitching staff all the way around for the Braves. All right, earlier today, speaking of the Braves, Alex Anthopoulos joined Steak and Sandra of the Steakhouse. Good conversation they had with these guys. Steak started off by asking him what his thoughts were about last night's game. Yeah, it was tough. You know, um, separately, um, obviously there was a lot of talk last year about how we had the ice cream machine in the clubhouse. And when I was in Miami, Travis Darnot came up to me and he said, could we get, could we get another soft serve ice cream machine in the clubhouse? And I said, if you guys win three out of four against the Mets, the ice cream machine is back. So these guys were so fired up after we won the first two um, that, you know, tonight's obviously a big game for them. But, you know, it was close. It was exciting. Obviously, it was a tough, it was a tough start. And I thought the same way. I thought, you know what, we pull this game out, just the momentum and everything else. But, you know, you don't want to overweight one game, but we've been on a nice roll. We're, we're playing well. Um, obviously, it's going to be tough tonight. But I think more importantly, I just felt like we got our swag back a little bit. You know, we had a rough series, obviously. We lost the four out of five in New York. And then to bounce back and end up with a seven and four trip, to wait eight in a row, um, you know, the mood and the atmosphere is really good right now with the team. So, um, you know, Freed will be back today, which is certainly exciting. Kyle Wright tomorrow. And um, getting those guys back will be big. So we're definitely excited about, you know, the remaining six weeks or so. And hopefully we can get a win tonight. I don't want to tell you how to do your job, but there's already a lot of pressure on Max Freed tonight against Jacob deGrom. Do you think the ice cream machine is maybe not adding another element that it, it could be overwhelming? <laughs> You know, I mean, I'll tell you this, like, whatever works, right? Like, I don't know what those things cost, but it's worth a win. Yeah, all right. So, uh, you know, the one thing is when you look at Max, you want to talk about, you know, the biggest pressure for me was game six last year after, you know, you lose game five, the momentum, there's that, oh, boy, here we go again, Atlanta sports, and you're going in to play the Astros at their park, and he steps up and has the game of his life. So the one thing with him is, you know, and he wanted, he wanted this game – we certainly could have slotted him, to, slotted him in tomorrow, but once he got cleared and he was and he was he was cleared to pitch, he wanted to pitch tonight. So it's one guy you want on the mound. It's him. He's definitely been a big game guy, and he's come through for us. And uh, it should be a whole lot of fun. Referencing last year for a second, because you just mentioned it, and I want to play a cut from Kirby Smart because I really believe that you could apply it to maybe the way you are handled. Um, and and no question, you're revered in this town. You're given, as rightfully so, a ton of credit for what happened in, in October and November last year. But here's Kirby, who had similar end of the season, like you, with a ring and a championship. Tell me what you think of this and whether it applies to your life since you've won the title. Here he is. You know, and I've told our players, I want you to do an exercise for me. Every time somebody says, congrats, thanks, awesome year, ask yourself, what have I done today to prepare myself for tomorrow or this next season? Uh, I'm sure you hear a lot of that over the last uh, nine months or so. So is there something you can relate to hearing that all the time as Kirby does? hundred percent. You know, we, um, he came, I hadn't met him. Obviously this is year five for me in Atlanta and uh, I hadn't met him before or talked to him before, but he came to a Braves game with his family early in the season. He came down to Snit's office and we were all in there. We were all, we were like fans, just excited to meet him, you know? And, um, you know, the one thing that, um, I, and the one thing he asked us was, you could tell it was on his mind, was just the concern of the, you know, being complacent and how do you keep that edge and how do you keep the drive. And it's something I thought about a ton in the offseason as well. But we did tell him that in our experiences, again, it was nice to celebrate everything, but 
that first week or two weeks and the championship week and everything else, it was awesome to experience. But at some point, we needed to move on and get going with 2022. And we thought it had an effect. And, again, you're not complaining. Those are things you'd sign up for each year. Um, but he's right. I mean, I definitely view it that way in my role. Um, look, what was eye-opening to me was you win three divisions in a row. Last year, obviously, we got off to a terrible start. And you're, you're reminded fast, like no one, no one remembers or no one cares what you did. It wasn't like, ah, they won three divisions in, in a row. No, we'll, we'll give them a break. You feel the heat. You feel the pressure overall when, you're not, you, when you don't perform and you don't produce. And that's not a complaint. That, that's just the reality of life, you know. And you feel like if you don't – I definitely feel this way. As much as, you know, we've won four divisions, won a World Series, all those things, it's old news like two weeks after the fact. And you'd love to say you'd be able to ride that wave for four or five more years. But I think, look, the majority of every sports town is the same way. It's very demanding, and especially Atlanta. I said this a day ago at the Mike Harris press conference. Like, the minute you slip, people, in my opinion, will tune you out. And that, that's fine. But if you perform, they will turn out in droves. They will support you. So um, I definitely operate with fear, um, fear of failing, feeling of not being successful, fear of being embarrassed, right? You're dropping your, your – your kid's off at school, you're going to events. You know everyone associates you with the job, and you don't. You know that you let a lot of people down if you're not having a good product and so on. So you know, I was asked about the sustainability piece, and there's definitely an element of fear and stress there. You're like, I need to keep this thing going. The battery's on fire. The ballpark is on fire. If we don't do our jobs as a baseball operations group, that whole thing ends up falling apart. Well, I guess, yeah, you have to have that mindset. But I would ask you, how many times and how surprised have you been over the course of the last many months, how appreciative and emotional and and gracious folks are that you delivered them something that they waited decades for. Were you surprised at how much it meant to people emotionally? Yeah, that was pretty amazing. I, I get the chills even when you talk about it, just because I think about just like the genuine, sincere um, the, just the overall passion, yeah. how people just, they, they, truly th- they, they truly thank you for, you know, bringing a championship to the city, you know, bringing them joy day in and day out. And that's the, you know, it's a little corny, but it's true. That's the most rewarding part of this job. I think when you become a GM, it's like, well, this is great. It's the next step from AGM, and hopefully we're going to win and all those things. But I think once you see how a community can get transformed and a community can rally together and come together, and there's a sense of pride. You're instilling so much pride with the name Atlanta, with the South, with the state of Georgia, and everyone walks a little taller and feels better. And knowing that the power of sports and the power of specifically the Braves brand, and you can have an impact on that, is really incredible to see. So a lot of people, whether it's going out to eat, whether I'm at the airport, um, I definitely no- notice it more now that I said my first few years I could go wherever and no one knows who I am. And now I'm noticing a little more if I'm at the airport and so on, more people might come up to me. But everyone's always incredibly polite and very, very thankful at the same time for just the success that we've had. Alex Anthopoulos with us, general manager of the Braves, joining us on the Steakhouse on Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. When you make a decision to sign Michael Harris to the long-term deal, I'm really curious when the conversations within the organization, he gets called up early this year, he hadn't spent a ton of time in the minors, he missed an entire year because of COVID, when does it start to say we may need to do the Austin Riley, Aussie, Ronald treatment? 
Um, Because you have to – it's a small sample size, but you have to be confident that this is worth that kind of a commitment. How early did that conversation begin this season? And, Alex, even back to spring training when you said yesterday, we knew – we told him we're not trading you early on. Yeah, so, you know, since I've been here, it's only twice I've told teams that, you know, we're not trading someone. Acuna was when I first got to Atlanta, and I hadn't seen him play, but everybody told me how good he was and – the one guy we weren't going to talk about in trade everyone else we would at least you know we wouldn't hang up the phone and we'd be open-minded to hearing what a team had to say Harris was the same one this past offseason where he's the one guy we're not going to talk about in trade we'll talk about anybody else and that doesn't mean we don't value the other players we do and obviously there's a high bar to clear to trade certain guys but those are the only two players I've ever I've ever said since I've been here in the five years we're not talking about those guys they're off the table you could put those guys aside so after we made the Olsen deal, you know, there's obviously it's in spring training. All the players are there. The prospects are there in spring training. Everyone's, you know, their head's spinning a little bit, right? Prospects are going out the door. Shea Langoliers is in, in camp. Um, so people are saying goodbyes, this and that. So I just got the sense that people are like, whoa, what just went on here? You know, these guys, it's in the middle of spring. Guys are there and so on. And I remember seeing Mike Harris, and I was just telling him, I am not trading you. You are not going anywhere. You're going to be here for a long time. And he didn't say much. He doesn't say much when you talk to him. And he just had to give me a blank stare. But I wanted him to know that you're a part of this, and we really believe in you. And, look, in terms of having him long-term, we always believed in him. Obviously, for us to not even make him available in trade is a telling statement. So the goal was always to have him here long-term. And I do believe this is where he should be. This this is where he should play. Uh, it means a lot to him t- to be here. And... Um, obviously, he's a fantastic player you know, beyond that. But you know, I do another part of the thing that I stress about at the same time is um, keeping the players here for you know, the long period of time. And you have guys like Austin Riley and obviously Dansby Swanson and Harris and Max Fried and obviously the other guys that have signed like Acuna, Albies, and so on. You want to be able to keep these guys long-term. They're great guys. They're great players. The fans are getting attached to them, as they should. And... You know, you don't want to be that team that's letting all these guys walk out the door. Now, you have to be smart about it, and you have to be responsible about it and still put a, a winning team on the field and make sure that it works and you, you could fit all these guys in because one player will not make or break you, especially in our sport when you're running out 26 guys. But I do think it's important with the way the payroll is climbing and so on and the success that we're having. Once we identify these guys and we know them, we know the character, the work ethic, and all those things um, – if we think we have a shot to get these guys signed long-term and they, they get to be here, I think it's really, really important. And those are some of the things that keep me up at night. Because um, you, know, you feel responsibility to the fan base, to the community, to the organization, uh, to be able to keep these guys here. Well, we talked about the Yankees uh, and haven't just watched the captain, but Jeter, Posada, Pettit, Bernie, and Mariano Rivera, I mean, there are other guys that came in and out. And I said, listen, Braves have locked up first base, second base, third base, right field, center field, and then uh, you know three starters. Reminds me growing up being a baseball fan where you kind of knew the team's roster. I could name every team in the league because there wasn't a lot of turnover. That is not modern-day baseball. No, you're right, and it's getting harder to keep these cores together and these groups together. And look, the goal is for these guys to get more expensive, right, and these guys to make more money because that means they're producing on the field. That means we're winning games. But you've seen it with other clubs. At some point, the core keeps getting better and better, and um, they're worth more, and it's harder to keep them all together and still have a competitive team and fill out your, your team full of, of 26. So you know, it's always a balance in terms of your payroll and so on, and we're definitely we're now in the top 10 from a payroll standpoint. But 
part of that is, look, we have to take a little bit more risk and maybe do some of these deals a little earlier. And we, we take the risk because we don't know. There could be health. There could be performance. Right. But, you know, if that allows us to, you know, build a roster and keep these guys, it's a calculated risk. Um, but it's, it's with the thought of being able to keep all these guys and to ha- have a core. And, you know, hopefully it does not guarantee anything, but we know these are talented guys. You know, they're quality guys. And, you know, rather than allocating those dollars to players that we don't know, whether that's trade or free agency, um, it makes sense for us to invest in our own, own guys. A couple of quick things, finishing up with Alex Anthopoulos, who's uh, gracious enough to join us here on the Steakhouse. Are you worried about Jake Odorizzi? I mean, look, his first three starts, I mean, state in the obvious, they have not been sharp. He'd be the first one to end up telling you that. Um, it was encouraging that he did settle down at the end. He's had success in his career. He's had a long career. He's had success. He had a 370 with the Astros before he came over. So you don't know how much a part of this is new club, new league, new, you know, just all of it getting settled in. Um, but it was encouraging that, you know, obviously he gave up the home, the home runs, and then he did start to finally find himself a little bit and settle in. So there's no doubt he's a lot better than he's pitched in terms of his career. That goes without saying. Um, but at the same, same time, you know, the, the facts are the facts that, you know, they haven't been strong starts, uh, but it's certainly in there based on his career. Any notion of what progress continues to look like for Mike Soroka and what that could mean for September and postseason? Yeah, so we didn't know, you know, and I even told Mike, um, just we, we, we like, we knew we weren't going to have any answers on him at the end of July. And I told Mike that, you know, we don't know where you're going to be by the end of July. It was just too soon. So I said, I just don't know how the trade deadline is going to shake out, what the roster is going to look like, what the rotation is going to look like, and so on. And he completely understood. He just knew, obviously, he needed to get right himself. And this was a long-term move for him um, in terms of his career going forward. And I told him, I said, we need you as much for 23 and 24 going forward. So the first outing in Rome was great, even better than I think we all would have expected. Now, you take some of it with a grain of salt because it's high A, but the people that were there said the stuff was outstanding, the strikes. And because it had been so long, I think we forgot how good he was. And this guy was, you know, Cy Young conversation 2019 and how young he still is. So, you know, the plan right now would be we're going to continue to get him stretched out, continue to give him starts. He'll get to Gwinnett and he'll pitch with, with them. Um, but, you know, as he's having success and hopefully continues to have more success, if he's one of the best options for us, he's going to pitch. Marcelo Zuna, concerned, obviously, and trying to make some tough decisions postseason-wise down the line as well on him and guys like Grissom and Ozzy's return. Just a quick overview on some of those guys. Yeah, so well, he hasn't had a strong year as well. The power's been there in terms of the home runs, but the average and everything else hasn't been there. He's lost playing time, obviously, the last few, few games. Snit's going with the hot hand. You know, a guy like Robbie Grossman's playing really well. Vaughn Grissom's playing really well. And, you know, this happened last year, <clears throat> whether it was Jock was starting for us and Eddie Rosario was on the bench. And then eventually, you know, that was flipped where Jock sat and Eddie Rosario played. You know, so I think, you know, Snit, the one thing he's been very, you know, he's done this each year. He's playing the best players. So the guys that are playing the best, that doesn't mean that guys can't bounce back and get hot. Like I said, Jock lost his starting job and he was an all-star this past year. So, yeah, I think with all these guys, Orlando, R.C., Ozzy, and so on, as they come back, we'll find a way to make things work. But even though we talk about what are we going to do three weeks from now, four weeks from now, when guys get back, we always remind ourselves that things are going to change. Someone's not going to perform. Someone's going to get hurt. And some of this takes care of itself. So you'd love to have an issue where you have too many good players and you don't have playing time. That, that's a great problem to have. 
Um, and obviously, I hope we're going to have that discussion about playoffs and so on. I still have the mindset of we need to get in, yep. and I know how quickly things can change, so I never assume anything, even though we're playing well and we're in a playoff position now. Um, I still I still never lose sight of the fact that it could vanish at any time, and we need to continue to keep our foot on the gas. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Baseball is back. And so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.